Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter to you. I invite you to stand and sing with us this morning. Jesus is alive. We sing praise. 
Good morning, everyone, and welcome to First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth. My name is Mike Marshall. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm honored to welcome all of you today. For those of you who are online right now, welcome. We are so glad to have you, and thank you for letting us know that you're worshiping this morning. For those of you here in the sanctuary, we also would like to know that you've been here. So please look for the black folder in your role. If you would sign your name, share it with others, and please let us know if there are particular ways that we can be of service to you. Here in the sanctuary, we want you to know that everything you need will be on the screens this morning, the words to the songs, the responses, and on your device at home. And it's entirely possible that some of you right now are worshiping in Wesley Hall. If that's the case, great to see you. <laughs> and we want you to know that when it comes time for communion, communion will be served to you in Wesley Hall. Well, we are ready for our call to worship, friends, and I think you know what's coming. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, good morning again, everybody, and happy Easter. If we haven't met, my name is Clint Church. I'm one of the worship leaders here at The Gathering, along with The Gathering Band. And actually, uh, the DFW Brass is part of The Gathering Band today as well. So uh, we're so, so happy that they're joining us as well. Uh, this is a song that we do quite a lot at The Gathering, and it's called Evidence. And the chorus says this, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. And a lot of the time, we, we don't see God's goodness all around us. Maybe just because we're not looking for it or we're going through a difficult time. Uh, but today, let us celebrate that God's goodness is truly all around us as we sing the song, Evidence. All throughout my history walk beside me the winter storms made way for spring in every season and where I'm standing I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life all over my life I see your promises
promises and fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. Friends, welcome to the gathering. I'm so thankful that you are here. I want to introduce you to a special celebration. There's something very special about having a baptism on Easter. You may not realize, but in the earliest days of the Christian movement, before there was a church in the way that we're familiar with it, before there was even the New Testament scriptures, there was a practice of bringing new people into the faith via baptism. And they almost always reserved those baptisms for Easter Sunday. They paired the new life in Christ that we find in baptism with the day of resurrection that we celebrate on Easter Sunday. And it's because of that reason I'm so thrilled to mark this Resurrection Sunday with a baptism as well. It's in that spirit I would like to invite the Reynolds family forward for the baptism of their son, Brooks. You can bring Cheerios. It's all right. This is God's house. If y'all will turn and face the back, please. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All of this is God's gift, offered to us without price. I present Brooks James Reynolds for baptism. So now, on behalf of the whole church to his parents, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, all nations, and all races? If so, say, I do. And finally, will you nurture Brooks in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to live his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, say, I will. All right, Brooks, how are you feeling about strangers this morning? You want to even make, you want to, you want to sing? Hey, bud, I like Cheerios. Yeah. Hey, Brooks. No, it's okay. He's right here. Sam Wilfield, come over here, please. Come right here. See this water, Brooks? Brooks James, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and pray God's richest blessings upon you now and every day of your life. Amen. Will you lay hands on him with me, please? Brooke James, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, we're going to talk a lot today about the resurrection of Jesus and what it is to live as resurrection people. And young men and women, just like Brooks here, learn what it is to be the church. Learn what it is to be faithful. Learn what it is to trust in the hope of the resurrected Christ by watching and learning from people like you. I'll let you go, buddy. This is church. You can, you can be comfortable. If you want to be one of the people through whom people like Brooks and so many other children learn what it is to love and to be loved as part of Christ's holy church, would you indicate so with a round of applause? Congratulations. Thank you.
My name is Zhenya, I'm one of the pastors here, and I will lead us in the prayers of the people. Praise of the people is a sacred ritual that we do every single time we're here for the gathering worship service. We pray together as the body of Christ. We start with the prayer of confession to recognize that all of us are in need of grace and forgiveness, and just a reminder that God loves us and accepts us and welcomes us just as we are. We pray to the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the risen Son. Christ has risen indeed. Christ has risen indeed, yes. And uh, uh, during the prayer, several times, I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and your response is, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Praise of the people is also time when we lift up people who are dear to us, people who are in our lives that need to be prayed for. Maybe somebody who is struggling, somebody who you are aware that just needs a reminder, needs a, uh, strength that we receive through prayer. I will invite you to say their names out loud if you are comfortable towards the end of the prayer. And there will be a few moments where I encourage you to pray for these people. And now, will you please join me? Merciful and loving God, we don't always recognize Christ, even when we are looking directly at your incarnate love. We cling to our assumptions about how life on earth should unfold, forgetting that life in your realm shares all of those expectations. Forgive us when we go through our daily routine, forgetting to look for the risen one. Open our eyes and our hearts, O oh God, to the full awareness of your presence with us in each and every moment of our lives. We pray in the name of Christ who is alive. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Father God, the creator of all, your creation testifies about your power, your grace, your love, new lives, new hopes, new baptisms. For all of this, God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayers. Everything that you create, you make free and over and over again. Our freedom is used for the purposes of sin, for alienation from you, for violence, for hatred, for greed. And yet, when we are at our worst, you do not abandon us. You join us, you come alongside us as Jesus Christ to redeem us and to bring us back to relationship with you forever. And for this, God, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Always and everywhere, O oh Holy Spirit, we are never alone. You come alongside us. You cover us with your grace and with your peace. And for this constant presence of God in our lives, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Today we are praying for all of the people in our community that are struggling with difficult diagnosis that shatter their lives. Lord, heal. We pray for Earl. We pray for all who are struggling to see the light of the day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Are there any others? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers for all who are looking for the hope and the joy and the love and the safety and the comfort in the arms of the risen Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen. 
Now I invite ushers to come forward and receive our Easter offering. Easter offering is a special offering in our church. Every offering that you put in this Easter envelope goes to support the outreach ministries of our church that step outside the walls of this community and transform and touch people's lives. Um, the uh, First Street Methodist Mission, Methodist Justice Ministry that is walking alongside women and children who find themselves in very difficult situations, AMCOR, Community on Relief, Dementia Friendly Fort Worth, all of these wonderful ministries that touch people in Fort Worth and far beyond are possible because of the generosity of this church. Let us pray. Lord, bless this offering and guide our hearts and make our vision even bigger on how we can truly live into the kingdom of God here on earth. Amen. I've searched the world But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise Treasures of faith Are never enough Then you came along And put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied
I'm Reverend Brenda. I'm one of the pastors here. Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition, and invite you to read along in your own Bible or on one of the pew Bibles in front of you. It is on page 33 in the New Testament of the Pew Bible. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been risen, and, has, and as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. Indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they said to him, took hold of his feet and worship him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers and sisters to go to Galilee. There they will see me. God speaks to us through the reading of scripture. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brenda. Before we consider today's scripture reading and today's message, I just want to share words of gratitude and appreciation. Of course, gratitude not only to the gathering band who's here so regularly, but to the DFW Brass, also to the Choral Union who's leading worship in the 8 and 11 o'clock services. I want to thank you to the tech team uh, who's connecting us not only here in person, but to a bunch of folks all over who are worshiping live online, either right now or later on in the week. Thank you so much to our hospitality team. I want to say thank you to our folks who are teaching and children's and youth and adult ministries. Thank you so much. But I want to say a special word of appreciation to the absolute army of volunteers that plans and organizes and sets up and tears down and resets up and re-tears down, not only on Easter Sunday, but through all of Holy Week. Would you please join me in a word of appreciation through a round of applause? It takes so many people who give selflessly of their time and their energy, and I am so thankful to them, uh, particularly the people who set up all the lilies. I have to tell you, it's a really fun race every Easter Sunday to see which one's going to win. 200 lilies or my one Zyrtec. I'm always <laughs> excited to see what happens. My name is Lance Marshall. I'm the senior pastor here at the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth, and it is my honor and pleasure to welcome you to worship here today. The gathering service, the 930 service here at the church, is very close to my heart. It started about seven years ago in a classroom on the third floor with about 40 people. It's a little bit bigger now, but the vision of the gathering service has always been the same. It started with the idea that can we start a worship service where one of the biggest goals that we have from the very beginning 
when we're planning everything, is that someone, whether they've been to church their entire life, or someone, whether they've, never, they've, they've been to church and they've been away for a while, or maybe someone who has even felt burned by the church, it could, all of those people somehow feel loved and seen and welcomed and appreciated in that service. And that's been the guiding principle of the gathering since its very beginning. And I don't want to surprise you guys with too much of a revelation here, but would you believe it if I told you that I love Easter? Would that shock you? Would that be really shocking information? The preacher loves Easter. And one of the reasons I love Easter so much is because it brings so many of us together on a Sunday morning who aren't always together. And in the spirit of making sure that everyone is seen and welcomed and valued here, I want to say a special word of welcome to those of you who are here every Sunday. Those of you who are here all the time, this is your portion of the body of Christ. This is your church. Regular Sunday worship attendance in person and online is the rhythm of your life. You are seen and welcomed and loved here. I'm so thankful that you are here today, particularly the 500 folks or so who went to worship at 8 o'clock this morning just to make space at the 9.30 and 11 o'clock services for everyone else. Every single person at the 8 o'clock service let me know this morning they didn't want to be there. <laughs> at that time, but they said, you asked us to, to make room for more people. And I said, that's amazing, because I ask you to do stuff all the time, and you don't do it. <laughs> and so I'm so thankful to them. So to those of you who are always here, welcome. To those of you for whom this is your church, this is your community, but life has gotten busy or hectic or challenging, and maybe you're not here as often as you would like to be here, but you're here today. I want to know, let you know that you are seen and you are welcomed and you are loved in this place. I also want to say a word of welcome to the people who are here and they're stepping their toes out a little bit. Maybe this is an uncomfortable place for you. Maybe this is something unusual for you. Maybe you've had some bad experiences in this church or any church somewhere. Maybe you've been made to feel like church or faith or Christianity might not be relevant or powerful for you, but you're here today. I just want to let you know that you're seen, I acknowledge you, you're welcomed here, and you're loved here. And finally, to my very favorite group of people, every single Easter, I say the hello to you every single Easter Sunday, and that is to those of you who are just here to make somebody else happy, welcome. <laughs> you are seen and loved and welcomed here exactly as you are, and I have to tell you, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. I don't know which one of you that is. I don't know what it is that brings you here today, honestly. But I do know what it is that brings every single one of us here today. I do know why it is that there's a faith at all. Why it is that there's a United Methodist denomination at all. Why it is there is a congregation in Fort Worth at all. That's for one reason. And it has to do with the fact that 2,000 years ago, and that's crazy because think of how many things are no longer relevant 20 minutes later. But 2,000 years ago, there was a man, and he did not live at the height of empire. He didn't live surrounded by power and influence. He wasn't incredibly educated. He wasn't the leader of an army. He was a laborer, a skilled laborer, but a laborer still. And he lived out in the middle of nowhere, the farthest outreaches and outposts of the Roman Empire, an area that we now call Israel. We call him Jesus because of his name translated into Latin, translated into English. His mama would have called him Yeshua in their native language. This man that we call Jesus reached the age of 30, being completely unremarkable in his hometown, in his small village. He was just 
Joseph's son, the carpenter. But for some reason, at age 30, he sets down his tools and he goes to visit his cousin. And his cousin was remarkable. His cousin, John the Baptizer, was a good old school Jewish prophet. Fire and brimstone, baby. It brings out the crowds. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was proclaiming a new thing at hand, and he was, causing he was calling people into repentance and re to recommit their hearts and lives to what it is that God was doing. He had created this work of baptism to indicate a new life and new commitment that was available to people. But he said over and over again, the one who is to come, I'm not even worried to carry his sandals. These crowds, these attention, this power, it's nothing compared to the one who is to come. And when he saw his cousin Jesus show up, he said, that's him. And even though he didn't need any of John's authority, Jesus submitted to be baptized, a sign of his total and complete commitment and participation in what was to come in and through him. And Jesus began to teach. He began to teach about God. He began to teach about God to a world that thought it knew everything there was to know about God. Surrounding the community were pagan religions who understood very clearly gods are capricious. Gods are to be feared. Gods are to be placated and hopefully avoided. That's not what God is like at all, Jesus says. And Jesus talks to his own people, his people who knew the one God, but whose practices over the course of thousands of years had evolved into an understanding that was almost exclusively based on the concept of rules whose understanding of what it was to live in right relationship with God had everything to do with doing the right thing at the right time and avoiding the wrong thing at the wrong time, and that was it. And it's to that world and it's to those people that this man Jesus came to speak and proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand, the reign of God, the way of God, the world of God is right here. Change your hearts and lives and be a part of it. And it was good news. Because the God that he was proclaiming, he says, is like a good father and is a father of justice and mercy and goodness and restoration. And it's better than you possibly thought. And when he was teaching, he wasn't just teaching like someone who had studied a whole lot or someone who had practiced in certain ways or someone who had been informed by someone else. He just knew and everything that he had to say was incredibly good news to hear, particularly to the people who think that they had been looked over or left behind. But not only did he teach, not only did he explain, not only did he show, he also had power. I mean, he had real power. Like in the midst of that talk, he would also be able to encounter someone who was suffering from a physical illness to their body and they could walk away from him healed. He would encounter someone who was unable to walk, and they could walk. Unable to see, and they could see. He could encounter thousands of people and could take the lunch of a child, just a Lunchable, just the little crackers and the cheese. Is that, check my note, fish! It was fish! <laughs> and he could multiply it so that a crowd of thousands could walk away fed with an abundance left over. He could calm the winds and the rain. He could encounter someone who was left for dead and through him bring them back to life. He had power. He wasn't just teaching. He had authority behind it. And so naturally people began to ask him, who are you? 
how are you doing this? Who are you? Tell us. And so he did. And this is where he got in trouble. Because he said, you know that God who I'm telling you is like the Father? Well, the Father is in me. And I'm in him, and I'm from the Father. And even more, you need to know that the only way that you can go to the Father is through me. You need to know that I'm the narrow gate. You need to know that I'm the good shepherd. You need to know that the hope that you're looking for, the life that was promised to you, the solution to your problems, the hope for your family, that's actually in me. It's not in that system of temple worship. It's not in that, org that economic organization. It's not in military strength or political power or anything else that you have staked all of the hopes of your life on. It's actually in me. That's who I am. And that's how I'm doing this. And that'll get you killed. Because think about who he's threatening there. He's not only threatening the people who have built up their entire lives upon generations, upon being the people who are the gatekeepers on what it is to be in right relationship with God, the ones who interpret the scriptures, the one who organize the community. Not only is he threatening them, he's also threatening the world order. He's threatening the people with the money and with the armies and with the power. And with the control, when he says, I'm actually more important than all of that, I'm the true king, the real authority, ugh, it threatens them. But it also upsets each and every one of us. It upsets us. Because when people see Jesus walking into town on Jerusalem on the Sunday before, and they celebrate, and they rip palm branches, palm fronds off of trees, and they throw their coats on the ground. They do so in hopes of what he's going to make better for them, how he's going to kick out the invading armies, how he's going to stop the oppressive tax system, how he's going to restore things back to the good old days that they used to be generations ago. That's what they want from him. And instead, what he does is go to the temple and purify it. And instead of just saying, I'm trying to change the system, he says, I'm trying to save your souls, and that's not what people want. And so all of them, all of them conspire to kill him. And not just kill him, because there's lots of different ways to kill people. You can just kill people, and they're gone, and then you can go to brunch, I guess. No, we want to humiliate him. We want to erase him. We want to prove definitively that he means nothing. And we have a way to do that. We have a way of killing him that is so slow that if he actually had any real power, he would have hour upon hour upon hour to do something about it. And we have a way of killing him that is so painful that if there was any possible way that he could save himself from it, he would certainly do it. And we have a way of killing him that is so public that every person who's ever heard his name will have a chance to look at his naked and scourged and humiliated body and know that he means nothing. We can do more than just kill him. We can erase him. And everything he ever said, we can just make go away. And on Friday, right before sundown, some of the very few of his remaining followers took his dead body off of a cross, 
laid it in a tomb, and rolled it shut. And that's where we pick up today's scripture. Now, I don't want to ruin the end of the story for you. But the people who are going to the tomb that day are not going expecting a miracle. They're not going to the tomb expecting a miracle. They're going expecting a memorial because what they've seen every second of their lives is that the people who have power win and the people who have control win. And if you stick your head up and start talking too much about the new way that things could be, you will just end up crushed upon the wheel and that's what happened again. And so what they expected to do was anoint the body of a loved one and to move on with their lives. And instead what they saw was not the testimony that they expected. What they expected to see was humanity's ultimate no to God. What they expected to see was the result of God revealing God's self to us and saying, this is who I am, and this is what I'm about, and this is what I love, and how I love, and whom I love, and this is how you live with me, and this is how you know me, and this is how you be with me forever. And humanity said finally and firmly to that offer, no, forever. And that's what they expected to see. And instead, they saw an empty tomb and a risen Christ and God's permanent and final yes, that says, I will not let you run from me anymore. That's what they saw. And that's why we celebrate. That's why we come together. That's why we go to church. That's why we put on pastels. (laughs) Not just to celebrate that Christ was risen, but that Christ is risen today. I was reading a newspaper article because I'm super smart and I read the newspaper, don't worry about it. (laughs) And it was talking about Christian communities and it said, you know, Easter Sunday is the day where Christians come together and worship and rejoice in the fact that Christ was risen. And no, today's the day we come together and we celebrate the fact that Christ is risen. And I want to just right now, acknowledge people, right? Because again, the gathering's about seeing and acknowledging people. And I want to acknowledge the people who hear these words today and they say, I can get behind Jesus, the incredible moral teacher. I can get behind Jesus, the spiritually pure one. I can get behind Jesus, the one who understands the divine and leads us into a world of righteousness. But when it comes to a crucified and a resurrected Jesus, maybe not. And to you, I want to say, you and everybody else in the Bible, because even the people who sat with Jesus and walked with Jesus and ate with Jesus and heard Jesus say, I will be killed and buried three days and resurrected, heard that that had happened and still said, probably not. Your life lived in recognition and relationship with the resurrected Christ will never come through your logic. It didn't come through their logic, and it won't come through yours. It only comes with an encounter with the risen Christ, and the risen Christ is encountering us still. And the way that you do it in 2023 in Tarrant County, Texas, the way that you come to know and to understand and to love and to worship the risen Christ is through actually meeting him and there's exactly one way to do it. 
and that's through your needs. What do you actually need? What do you really need? Because all of us are pretty good about making our life look okay from a distance. All of us are pretty good about putting on a show to folks who are just passing by, but in our life and in our hearts, we know what's really going on. What do you actually need? What's the thing that's going on right now that has you deeply afraid that, that at the end of the day, you just don't belong? You just don't fit in. You don't have a people. You are on your own. What is the thing that makes you fear that? What is the thing that at the end of the day, you're worried, if it's gone, I have nothing. I can't provide for myself. I can't save myself. I can't be secure. What's the thing that you're holding on to in desperate fear? Because if it's gone, there's nothing left. What's the thing to which you're clinging much too tight? Because if it's gone, or it goes wrong, or it doesn't get straight enough A's, you wonder, do I even matter at all? All around you in this room, all around you in this church, all around you in this city, all around you in this world, people are meeting the risen Christ through those needs. They are lifting their hearts up in worship. They are opening themselves up in vulnerability, and they are finding in Jesus the one who says, because of me and who I am, you can trust that you always belong. They are finding in the middle of their hurts and their worries and fears the one who says, because of me and who I am, you will always be safe. They are lifting up in their vulnerabilities and their fears and through their tears and hearing him say, because of me and who I am, I promise you, I promise you, you will always matter. And everything he says is always good news for you. We're not celebrating the fact that 2,000 years ago, Christ was risen but that today, right now, in this room and all across this beautiful world, Christ is risen indeed. Christ is alive, and life is worth the living just because he lives. So friends, whether today was a normal check-in and a routine regrounding in the faith and the hope of the risen Christ that sustains you every day, or whether today was just an opportunity to reorient yourself in a practice that has fallen too far to the wayside in the midst of a busy life, or whether today was you sticking your toes out for the very first time and wondering, is there actually something that all of these crazy people have found that could mean something for me? Or if you're someone here who's just waiting for eggs. <laughs> Christ is risen. And it means everything he said was true. Christ is risen, and it means everything he said was true about himself, about you, about your life and your life with God forever. Christ is risen, and life is worth the living just because he lives. Let's pray. Jesus, you, the risen Christ, are the one who has overcome our greatest foes, sin, death, and the darkness that lives in our own hearts. 
Jesus, I pray over all who hear the good news of your resurrection this day. Help us to know that it's not something that happened, but that is happening now and everywhere we look. Guide us, keep us, shape us in the image of your resurrection life, and it's together and following you and living what you promised us is possible, that together we pray the words that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But wait, there's more. Because beyond just a resurrection life, Jesus promises that I'm with you always. It's not just that I am risen, but I'm risen and I'm with you. And before the cross, he had dinner with his closest friends, his disciples, the people that he knew would live in pain and sometimes even doubt. And it's in that moment he took an ordinary loaf of bread, gave thanks over it, broke it and passed it and said, take all of you and eat when my body is broken. And you're going to see that it's broken. Remember that it's done for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal was over, he took a cup of ordinary table wine and he gave thanks over it. He blessed it and he passed it and he said, take all of you and drink, for this is my blood of the new covenant and you'll see my blood shed. But when you do remember that it's shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, because the risen Christ is the one who forgives and reconciles and overcomes whatever distance we believe separates us from God. We celebrate the sacrament of communion every time we come together for our gathering worship service, and that includes today. We are going to do it a little bit differently, though. We're going to be receiving it in our pews. There's trays in front of us that I'm going to invite our communion stewards to go ahead and come forward and assist with the serving. They're going to be passing them row by row. When the tray comes by in front of you, I want to invite you to take one of the gluten-free wafers from the center of the tray. It's all gluten-free. And to take one of the pre-filled cups of grape juice out of the tray. You're then going to eat the wafer and drink the juice. And hear this, you are not going to put the cup back into the tray. You're going to hold on to that tray until after the service, and we're going to have receptacles available for you. This is not the First United Methodist Church's table. This is not the gatherings table. This is the table of the risen and resurrected and living Christ. It is for you today, every background, every age, every understanding. This is a chance to taste, touch, feel, and know the presence of the risen Christ with you. The table is set. The meal is ready. Prepare to be fed. Shame. 
my price for all my guilty Who would care that much about me Let me tell you about my Jesus Oh He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can't save Let me tell you about my Jesus
As we come to the end of our time of worship today, just a reminder that we have a station called the On-Ramp up here at the front. If you're a first-time visitor or guest, welcome. We're so thankful that you're here. We have a gift for you as well as any kids you may have in your family. If you're someone who's been here for a long time and just wants to know more about how to get plugged into life here at the church, the folks at the On-Ramp can answer any questions you may have. Also want to remind you that if you walk out the rear of the sanctuary and over to the left across the garden and into Wesley Hall, we've got coffee and goodies in there this morning. I hope you stop have some refreshments, and meet some new neighbors. Also want to remind you that after this and every service, we have a congregational care station up here at the front. One of our trained congregational care ministers would love to pray with you. If there's anything going on in your heart or in your life or in the life of someone you love that would benefit from prayer, please don't leave without us having the chance to pray for you. Finally, want to remind you those now empty cups that you have from communion, if you will please not leave them in the pews, but bring them with you as you exit. We're going to have trash cans out there. If you can make sure those cups and make it to the trash cans. You're not going to believe this, but we've got another service coming up, and that's certainly going to help for that. Now, would you please bow your heads and receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face raise to shine upon you, and may the presence of the living and resurrected Christ meet you with what you need now and every day of your life. Amen. Go in peace. Happy Easter.